Hello, everyone, and welcome to Alight On, our video series that brings to light the latest and greatest benefits, payroll, and cloud topics. As you can see, following expert advice around COVID-19, we are recording today's episode from our homes. We know that this is a difficult time, and we hope that you, your organization, and your friends and family are staying safe and healthy as we fight this virus together. Joining us from his home office in Canada is Jeff Williams, a Light's Executive Vice President of Global Professional Services, to chat with me about cloud transformation during times of disruption and change. Jeff, it's great to see you, and this is such an important topic to chat about today. Thank you for having us. Good to see you too, Dom. Thanks for having me. Of course. So before we get started, Jeff, I do have a reminder for our viewers. I'd like to remind you that if you have a question at all during today's webcast for Jeff, please put it in the queue box in the upper right-hand side. If we do not have time to get to your question today, we'll make sure to follow up at the conclusion of today's episode. But with that, that's actually all I have. And so, Jeff, if you're ready, let's just go on and get started. Let's do it. Awesome. So, you know, one thing that is constant in business is change, whether it's a merger or acquisition, whether it's a new policy initiative, or whether it's just, you know, something that needs to be addressed, your ability to address change both quickly and efficiently is more important than ever right now. And so as organizations are thinking about ending 2020, potentially course correcting as they get to there, Jeff, I wanna kick things off by asking you, what are some common issues that organizations are going to have to face during times of disruption? Yeah, Dom, a great question. You know, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't start by just saying, we know that these are completely unprecedented times. So, you know, the normal algorithms we conduct to figure out disruption are, are just difficult to apply here. We've just never seen anything like this in our lifetimes and, and hopefully uh, we won't again. Um, but we do see some common themes that are happening in the moment. Uh, that matter more than others. And the first and foremost is the health and safety of our people. You know, I've been so impressed right across the private sector all over the world, uh, the way employers have embraced uh, the health and safety of their people. You know, at times like this, it's just incredibly important to what focus on what matters the most and what matters the most is your folks. And it's just great, great to see that. Uh, shortly after that comes financial stability. So, you know, we're seeing everything from the extremes of revenue has stopped entirely at one end to revenue has exploded uh, at the other end. And uh, there's all sorts of businesses in between. Uh, but locking in on the financial stability of the organization, being able to plan uh, for a post-COVID world financially, those things uh, matter a great deal. And then third, you know, we've talked about technological evolution and the pace of digital disruption. Well, you know, that speed has just um, become exponentially faster uh, over the last few months. You know, you think about a light zone example. Um, we have six times more concurrent VPN sessions today than we did six weeks ago. The pressure on our tech teams to react quickly to provide more infrastructure, to provide more bandwidth, to deal with new issues relative to load has, has been breathtaking. Uh, and their responses have been tremendous. So, you know, the necessity that this crisis um, has afforded us to, to create uh, and manage change uh, has really been eye-opening. 
Wow, six times as many people. That is unbelievable to hear. Um, and Jeff, you know, something that we often talk about, you know, before COVID-19 is the importance of financial planning and financial reporting. So what I'm curious to hear from you is how have the changes in the workforce numbers as well as just the needs of the workforce changing affected the processes that financial leaders need to consider in their everyday? Yeah, the, the best recommendation I've seen out there uh, so far has been to really gain absolute control over your, over your cash position. So now more than ever, cash is king. Uh, managing inflows and getting that money into clients as quickly as possible. Navigating uh, your payables such that you're staggering those to maintain a healthy cash position. Cash is king. Uh, the second thing uh, closely followed to cash is, is revenue sources. How are those revenue sources coming in? What is the stability of those revenue sources? How can you count on them now? And if they're in recovery, how quickly will they recover? Um, and then the third is, you know, how are you consuming expenses? So for programs that are um, maybe not entirely necessary, are you continuing to pour uh, financial resources into those, or are you stopping them? Um, and there's just no doubt uh, that that managing that financial picture holistically from cash through to revenue, through to expense, and being tighter than you ever have been before uh, matters a great deal. Uh, and being able to scenario plan what that means for your people, uh, and are you going to be able to keep all your people? Are you going to have to lay off people? Are you going to have to furlough people? Um, being able to navigate those decisions in real time matters more than it ever has. And so I guess, Jeff, as a, as a follow-up question, how will these realizations ultimately affect future expectations around work? Oh, boy. I, I, we can <laughs> talk about that one. How about I hit the top couple? So, um, Works for me. If you've been out driving on a major highway lately in a major North American city to do something essential, uh, I think you know uh, how the world could potentially change coming out of this. You know, employees have moved home in the tens of millions all around the world uh, as access to real estate has stopped. And companies have discovered that that shift to virtual has gone better in many ways than they could have ever possibly dreamed. Uh, and I think that's going to have uh, folks rethink uh, their relationship with their real estate. So coming out of this, do you need all of the real estate that you have? Do you need it in expensive downtown cores? Do you need it in the quantity that you had it before? And if you're going to have it, what are the implications for social distance? You know, over the years, we've moved uh, office environments much more closely together and have had a lot more um, togetherness of work and less separation. Are we going to be able to continue that quote-unquote cubicle evolution? Or are we going to have to go back to more segregated space for those offices we keep? I think there are just incredibly interesting implications for the real estate industry coming out of this. And then the last one I'll hit is just the opportunity for automation. If you go back to the earliest days of the outsourcing industry, it was largely built on the ingenuity that developed uh, as a result of difficult economic times. You know, great labor arbitrage shifts, 
uh, allowed for an economic recovery to blossom. And if you think about where we're at today, you know, COVID could be the great and profound acceleration uh, through to automation uh, that, uh, that automation at scale has really been waiting for. So I do think there could be some great leaps forward in, in uh, our ability to drive automation business cases that are gonna come out of the necessity of COVID. So this is actually a, a great opportunity. Um, Jeff, we got an audience question earlier, somewhat along this topic's lines. If you don't mind, I'd like to get to it. Um, the question reads, what actions can I take to ensure I am best supporting my employees' ability to do their job in their new reality? So definitely along the lines of the topic we were just discussing, it seems it's just a little bit more of an employee-focused lens. Yeah, Dom, my counsel would be lead with humanity. Um, you know, your people are, are undergoing um, incredible emotional, financial, and, and mental stress. Uh, and they need to know that you're behind them and that you care about them and that you're prepared to regularly communicate with them. Um, if, if you're wondering um, if you have communicated enough, keep communicating. If you're prepared <laughs> you've communicated enough, continue to do more. Um, and also respect that that individual you know, may have kids at home whose schools are closed. They may need special accommodations relative to an essential worker in their house. They may just need you to understand that they have to get some work flex and some understanding uh, with you. And I'd open, up, uh, I'd open up your hearts and your policies to allow that to happen uh, through this time. Uh, and then lastly, you know, recognize this could go on for a number of months and continue to look for ways to train and upskill people on their ability to navigate this time, to be able to work effectively from home, uh, to create a virtual team environment that's sustainable. Uh, it's important that people feel like they have some of the support mechanisms in their home office environment that they came to rely on in their office office environment. And anything we can do to help people with that bridge will be more than paid back for in uh, loyalty and productivity. Thank you for that insight, Jeff. And I think this is actually a great natural segue to our next topic, which is gonna be technological and system needs. You know, yeah. just like you mentioned, as you and I are adjusting to our new norm and our different workspaces at home, this is a great opportunity for employers to really take stock, ensure that they are offering their employees and equipping teams with all of the tools that they need to complete their daily tasks despite the changing circumstances. And, you know, I don't think I'm, uh, I don't think I'm going on a limb here when I say COVID-19 has truly presented a unique stress test for organizations, HR and finance functions. And it wouldn't surprise me if, to be quite honest, a lot of organizations are potentially reassessing their strategy around their system capabilities. So I'd like to, again, have you start things on this topic off by just identifying what are some of those baseline capabilities that organizations should expect from their HR and finance platforms? And then as an extension, how can organizations ensure that their workforce is actually prepared to utilize those? Yeah, I would focus on three really important things right now that I think matter more than others. In, in the spirit of prioritizing, I prioritize 
accessibility, usability, and security. So from an accessibility perspective, it's important that people can get access to the systems that they need. Uh, are, is the infrastructure scaled and are the applications friendly enough that people can actually get in them <laughs> and operate them? And that plays into usability. So do you have a set of systems today uh, and job aids that allow for more self-service? You know, the ability to do uh, more on one's own and rely less on already stressed IT support and help desk infrastructures to get things done. And then lastly, there has never been, um, probably in that I can recall, a time where there's greater opportunity for corporate IT security risks than this very moment right now. We've sent tens of millions of people at home, and we've done that uh, with a lot of trust, <laughs> with a lot of corporate hardware and software and assets uh, that require vigilance. Uh, they require policy. They require people understanding how to keep company assets and information secure. They require more robust firewalling around the edge. They require different types of uh, phishing protection. Just keeping that environment secure uh, has always been uh, something uh, that needs to be at or near the top of our priority list. But I think what's happened in the last six weeks just absolutely accentuates the need for the best possible security infrastructure that money can buy. And I guess then, Jeff, as a follow-up, and, and you may not have a specific answer for it, but if you do, please please give it. Are there any specific considerations that a global company should take as they start evaluating their HR and finance platform? I'd say two things. One is begin with the end in mind, and the second is don't be afraid to get started. So if you begin with the end in mind, I think that moving towards uh, more harmonious global structures while respecting local differences matters. So the ability to get global roll-ups, the ability to provide global job standards, the ability to provide global accounting models, those things matter at scale around the world and everything that gets undertaken should have those, uh, those ideas in mind. Um, but I wouldn't let the prospect of having a brand new global infrastructure or a brand new global rule set stop one from getting started. There's ways to take advantage of the environment today and maybe some capacity you have in your organization to work with partners to figure out the best way to get moving, to look at pilots, test countries, test use cases that will allow you to create motion and get started on a better future for when this is all behind us. Fantastic. And, you know, as we get ready to close out, I think one thing that we can agree on is that half the battle of transforming your system is truly identifying what that strategy is. You know, what works, what didn't work. And then at the end of the day, what do I need to do to ensure that we are going to be best prepared for the future? And so that's actually where I'd like to end our conversation today at those considerations for the future. For companies that are currently on a cloud platform, what advantages do they have over organizations that still use a local ERP or HRIS system? 
Yeah, if you'll allow me, I'll answer this question in the form of a case study. So we have a large Perfect. national financial institution that went live on um, an ERP uh, January 1. And, you know, they were even considering it at certain times in that schedule, prolonging that start date so they could solve um, more of their requirements. But they stuck with their go-live date. And boy, are they, are they happy about that now. So I'll give you a few of the, the reasons why. So one is they have what they're coining to be, and I hadn't heard this term before, a work-from-work work population. So the people that actually have to be in branch environments because they are deemed an essential service who can't go home, they've been able to quickly isolate that population, understand who they are, um, look at the compensation of that population in real time, make decisions about premiums to go into the office uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. They've been able to track absences relative, uh, relative to COVID-related issues. They've been able to see who the other colleagues are uh, that that colleague may have interacted with. And they're able to mine reports very quickly and easily. So they're spending their management and executive time on insights and taking action rather than hunting and gathering data. They would say that they don't know how they would manage their environment today if they hadn't stuck with their schedule and gotten live when they did. And they're very, very grateful for doing what they did because that investment is paying off not only in, in productivity and the things that matter to the business, but more importantly, in the health, safety, and financial security of the people. So now, as we think about an organization that's potentially in a different position, so what advice would you give an organization that was considering a move to the cloud before the COVID-19 pandemic began? And for a copious amount of reasons, they are potentially on the fence about proceeding right now. How could we give them advice to potentially continue that, their transformation journey? Yeah, look, I, you know, I'd start that answer by saying there's such a range of circumstances out there. And for those whose business models with, has their revenue completely stopped, you know, the, the answer may be different than those who are affected at the margins. But in general, I would say that, you know, evaluate your circumstances and take advantage of what the post-COVID environment could look like. Uh, and figure out where you want to be then um, and have a vision for what that looks like. Then examine the resources that you have available uh, on your team to, to do that work around planning for a better future and engage partners. So if you uh, come to the conclusion that, boy, it would be a good time to invest uh, in the future, you know, but maybe you don't have the capacity in certain areas of your order to cash organization or your HR operations organization. See how a partner could potentially help you out, help you think about the challenge, think about how to get moving, think about how to take advantage of a lull in your business. Think about potentially how to avoid layoffs and furloughs by creating business cases that are long-term in nature uh, but that is uh, inconsumable chunks that you can get started today. So I would say there's a range of answers relative to your circumstances. 
There's lots of excellent case studies around getting started. Uh, and there's partners out there that are willing to help you if you want to uh, think about the process together. Awesome. And, and then I guess let's just conclude on a different scenario. So let's just say now you're an organization and you are ready to get started on your cloud deployment journey, but obviously this is a difficult time right now. What steps should they take right now so they can actually start their transformation journey? Uh, revisit the why. So why are we doing this? Why does it matter? Um, and then you can move to the, to the what and the how. And the, if the what is, you know, we're gonna get this, this system up and running, then um, be open to the how. So the how may involve um, broader sets of partnerships, the how may be extended timelines, the how may be rethinking phases. Uh, but again, I, I, would look, uh, I would look creatively at your assets, uh, both financial and human, uh, and I'd think about how to deploy them in creative ways that maybe you hadn't thought of before. And if you're really struggling with things like um, you know, requirements gathering or client-side support or testing or change management issues. You know, those things are, those things are purchasable in the market uh, and you can get help. Uh, help from people who, who probably uh, have capacity uh, right now to support and assist you. And uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give up just because it's, it looks harder than at first uh, you may want it to be because I think there are ways to continue to make progress, even in this difficult economic environment. Awesome, well, Jeff, that's actually all the questions I have for you. And I wanna thank you for this tremendous insight on this topic, but more importantly, I wanna thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking time and for letting me interview you in your office today. Please stay safe and healthy. Likewise, Dom, it's been a pleasure. And to everyone uh, listening out there, stay safe, be well. Awesome. Well, if you want to learn more about Jeff or today's topic, there are additional resources in the column on the right-hand side uh, in your console, and I highly encourage you to check them out. Uh, before we head out, I want to thank you for tuning in and let you know that we'll always be here to shed a light on the latest benefits, payroll, and cloud topics. Please stay safe and stay healthy, and we'll see you next month. Thanks, everyone.